Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 84 of Purple Hyacinth, called Hollow Hope. And today we have Foot Loops and Shivi, and I will let them introduce themselves. They are big uh, Purple Hyacinth characters in the fandom and the Discord server, so I'm very excited that they're on, and take it away with your introductions. Uh, Shivi, would you like to go first, or should I? <laughs> Um, I guess I'll go first. Uh, hello, I'm Foot. Um, technically Foot Loops, but people call me Foot. Um, I've been reading Purple Hyacinth since it came out on Webtoon, and I've been in the Discord since like season two premiered. And yeah, it's I spend a lot of my time theorizing and just thinking about it and having a lot of conversations with people on the Discord about Purple Hyacinth, and Shivi is one of them. Hi, I'm Shivi. Uh, so I found Purple Hyacinth like right around COVID. So I was just a hermit and I was kind of burnt out on manga. So I decided to check Webtoons again after a while. And I found Purple Hyacinth, which is like a, a diamond in the rock for me. Something that changed my life. And I didn't join the Discord until about August, I think. And by then season two had hit off. And there was just so much chaos, so many theories, so many amazing people. And I've just never been more thankful to be here now. It's helped me get into writing again because I one day want to be an author. So beautiful. And um, just <laughs> Shivy or Shivy or Shivy? Shivy, it's either way. It can, it's either way. I'm so sorry. I've been pronouncing it Shivy or Shivy this entire time. It's yeah, people do either way. It's a name that's been around for so long and people flip-flop between the two. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks. So recap, just a quick recap, recap of last chapter. Last chapter was like the crazy, hilarious bar chapter where Kim acted like an idiot. So that's basically all we need to say. I think everyone can remember that chapter based on that alone. And it ends off with Kieran, um, Laura noticing that Kieran's leaving. So she starts off by asking him, Kieran, where are you going? And he's like, oh, you know, close to midnight, got to flay before I turn into a pumpkin. And, you know, many people have noted, like, it's in black. Is he actually going to turn into a pumpkin <laughs> or whatever, his carriage? <laughs> I really like the, uh, that he just did that little joke, that little jab, because, like, he doesn't want to run Lauren's fun and he tried to sneak out obviously but she's just for being the blindest of all she really did notice him at the right time she's the blindest of all except when it comes to Kieran sometimes <laughs> she's still very the blindest we'll of all get to him. that <laughs> as we'll get into later um I really like how he made the Cinderella reference because as we see in earlier chapters he is a bit of a bookworm and so the Cinderella reference it's a fairy tale it's a book like um he probably grew up with the fairy tale and still like reads fairy tales as because he Aww. had the secret garden book he's yeah. a little fantasy nerd it's the escapism 
I agree. I'm a super literary person and like classics are my favorite. So when I saw all those books in his library, I was like, oh, Kieran, a man after my own heart. Mm -hmm. Except for the assassin part. But <laughs> oh, something to note that's really interesting. But uh, uh, F actually shared some of her scripts for the, those episodes. And it says in the script to have books drawn everywhere, just like all over the place. Though I think Soph did tone it down a bit, but like that's what F originally wanted, I believe. It's just Karen, a bookworm. I love that. Yeah, my husband's a big bookworm too, and that's definitely something I love about him. We have a lot of books in our house. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So um, I love that Lauren, you know, walks after him. She's like, oh, are you leaving without saying goodbye to your coworkers? And she, you know, she has like, oh, that's very rude of you. And that smile that she has on her face is like this very wistful, kind of loving smile. And to me, like the whole fact that she didn't want him to leave, I mean, it, I feel like she was drawn to him and she wants to spend more time with him. Did you get that reading? Um, I think uh, Shiva and I, we talked and we, I think what, a lot of people have been thinking and what we were talking about like last night when the episode dropped is it's more this is more on Kieran's side but Kieran knows he doesn't belong here and I think you might have thought Kieran can't form any genuine relationships with these people in the APD because uh, none of them know that he is the purple hyacinth if they ever did find out he was the purple hyacinth the relationship would probably be dropped and so he doesn't allow himself to be attached to any of them and that's why the relationship between Kieran and Lauren is so important because both are there on their own terms. Both know, like, he knows she's an officer in the APD and she knows that he's an assassin and not just any assassin, he's the purple hyacinth himself. And they both understand the stakes there and they both understand that, like, what they are risking by being around the other. And so it means that it's one of the few genuine relationships that um, Kieran can have with Lauren and I think Lauren recognizes that and even despite that she wants Karen to live a little more and that's why she wants him to stay Interesting. yeah I viewed it more as like a selfish move on her part that she wanted to be around him but that's very nice that she you know for if she was looking out for him that's even nicer I also think that it's good that she's looking out for him in terms of his acting because from a very realistic point of view him not saying goodbye to his co-workers and just like peacing out yeah, you know both of them aren't very good at acting lately or if ever so there's really no hope for them <laughs> yeah especially with the like the pretending to be dating like maybe you should kind of pretend to like each other a little more public. <laughs> yeah he's not that cute <laughs> what That's you, oh, yeah i know what the lauren said right i know and, right and these Here. next few kieran is he's smiling you know he's like i don't belong here but he's and just like lighthearted about it. And it's not a lie. And it's not a lie. <laughs> but um, it's just, yeah, it breaks my heart. Yeah. The fact that he's even able to talk like that to Lauren and be open like that, I mean, that's pretty significant. That's like a level of trust and intimacy that he wouldn't have had a few weeks ago with her. Yeah. Um, something that's been really great or a bit tragic about season two is that they've had to completely rebuild the relationship after the events that happened in season one and that betrayal um and so they're slowly beginning to trust one another again and um something that's really great is that Sophie and F they're not rushing it they're not laying it heavy on like a romance aspect they're just trying to get them back to being 
friends and being able to trust one another. And that's something I feel like we don't see enough. And so I'm really happy seeing it here. I mean, this episode honestly like brought them closer than I thought they would even act before. Um, like all with everything that they said to each other, I was, I didn't expect it to be this soon because Soap and F have been so slow with the, the relationship development. Yeah, we definitely have gotten a lot more progress within just a few, you know, days. I don't know how many, the timeline is so messed up now, but. There's like <laughs> two extra weeks in December. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You guys saw Webtoon Hattie's timeline? Uh, we, yes, we, um, a few months ago, we actually had our own. Yeah. I think Shibi was there for it. It was, we were just screaming <laughs> over the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't make any sense and then every time we'd see a few days later on these episodes it would just send more panic <laughs> like where are we what day is it like okay once it reaches like once it reaches Harvey's death everything just goes complete it just everything just spirals like we get a few dates like we see a few dates on like um Harvey's file and like when Anso checked in to the hotel but stuff doesn't line up if that was like um I don't, it was like I don't know it's it was like mid-December then and it was like mid-December around the Carmine arc and so it didn't fit <laughs> it doesn't fit I was like I was gonna do it too and I'm like yeah why bother replicating the work of the greats I know it doesn't make sense I'm not yeah. wasting any brain space on it <laughs> it's just the way it is but they're progressing at a very rapid rate. And that's good because there's a lot going on and they have a lot to do. And this just needs to get passed. Like they just need to move forward. Yeah, there's no use um, dwelling on the past. As ironic as, as that is saying about Lauren, um, they <laughs> do have more important matters on their hands. Well, I do think they're going to have to talk about it. I'm assuming they will at some point because you can't pass through something like that without addressing it. So I hope they will. <laughs> there's a lot they could need to talk about so that could be one of them but yeah so he says he, they're not really my coworkers, and even less my friends which is sad and you know he's he wants to go he says I'll see you around but Lauren doesn't want him to go and she has this like very distressed look on her face like kind of concerned for him and she stops him it's like this really cool move where he's about to head out the door and she puts her hand right above his on the door it's that is romantic I have to say it struck me as romantic um uh-huh. Something, um, Shibi, uh, mm-hmm. I think you pointed this out. Something that's really cool is that um, on the panel where he says, they're not really my coworkers and even less my friends, there is a line separating them. It starts with the little lantern thing and the line just goes down. It, there's the door line that cuts in between them and then the floor is striped, meaning that there's more lines and they're just kind of like, there's a barrier between them still. And then the light at the top. There's yeah. always like interesting things to see about like how Soph says that it means absolutely nothing, but I don't take her word for anything. Yeah, so putting like white lilies She's next to Kieran does not mean nothing because white lilies mean death and troll. around Kieran, that's never good. Um, I think also uh, the panel that you talked about where she looks like very concerned. One of my notes was that um, I thought Lauren was thinking about Dylan in this moment because Kieran, like Dylan, that we see in 49 is about to leave and it's just the pair there's a parallel there and although it's not like exactly the same it's still pretty similar and um my note says that her expression shows a level of concern that we don't see very often from her especially regarding Kieran and so 
we do know that um, with the events that have transpired in the past like 10 episodes, especially when we got the reveal that um, Abel did know the kids in the car and it's obvious that she thinks it's Dylan. Uh, Dylan has been on her mind recently. And so I thought that maybe she was remembering that in that moment and she didn't want um, Karen to leave because last time when Dylan left, he ended up dead and she blamed herself for it. Yeah, she definitely has this look of panic. Which is, yeah, I agree. It's, it might seem more than it's called for. It's definitely a significant but, panel. Like it's very riveting the way that she's, it, it's, it's, it's not desperate, but it's, it's some kind of worry you know like it's just like she can do something and she wants to be able to do it because before when she didn't do anything bad things happened Mm. well yeah lauren obviously she's the person who like tries to have control and micromanage everything in her life i mean honestly like i one big thing about lauren is that um you know she blames herself for for dylan's death or supposed death and and i just don't get it like i'm like lauren you were like a little kid you know, but she just yeah. has to take that burden upon herself and just feels guilt responsible for everything. Um, I think the reason she blames herself for that death is because she knew that she heard the lie, meaning that, and she knew that the train wouldn't be leaving. And um, she, she was a kid. So like, obviously like she wouldn't have realized something was up, but like she didn't notice there was something. And so when Dylan went back, and then the train station, and then the explosion happened, and everything clicked. Um, she, um, she blames it on herself because she knew something was off. Like she knew there was something not quite right, and so she could have stopped him. And again, like you said, she was a kid, and you can't. We don't really expect kids to like stop this sort of stuff, but it doesn't matter to Lauren because she still feels responsible for it, and she's spent the past years feeling responsible for it, and just probably mentally beating herself up over it personality like that for better or for worse bearing everything on her shoulders so here i love how she tries to basically comfort kieran and reassure him she says you know you don't have to go because of me i know you won't do anything and she's just harkening back like to just show him that she trusts him because you know he she remembers how basically she accused him of you know you know obviously like killing everybody and then also she's afraid she was afraid in the past that he would harm her coworkers, and now she's telling him like no I trust you now that you won't do that so that's like a big step the fact that she has trusted him and she's telling him that she trusts him because she wants to comfort him and I was like wow that is so beautiful and sensitive of her yeah this is really everything for this for them and for the fans and when she says I know you. You won't do anything. That is a lot of trust for like what had happened prior. I mean, it's just like she's just him helping her, which house case has changed Lauren's heart because this is so important to her, not only to her detective, you know, status, but to an innocent woman. It's interesting how you read it because I read it as I know you, you won't do anything, like kind of like a stutter, like a hesitation, but I like how you read it. You're like, I know you, you won't do anything. I, yeah, I read it as direct. like, she's more, she's very confident that she knows that he won't harm anyone or do anything. Cause I mean, he's held true to his promise and he's a man of his word. 
I was actually nervous when, when he went out last episode, <laughs> I was nervous that this episode was going to be a bloodbath and that he was going to do something crazy. And her saying this honestly gets me a little worried. Um, the fact that she's like, oh, don't worry. I know you won't do anything. And, you know, throughout the whole episode, she's like, I trust him. I trust him. I am actually worried that that we're being set up to be disappointed where for whatever reason he'll have to, or he'll choose to revenge on his promise and, and harm her coworkers or some, you know, other people that she thought he wouldn't harm. And I'm nervous. Do you, yeah. do you guys think that will happen? Yes. I, I do feel like there may be a twist with Kieran uh, sometime in the future, but I think what is holding me back from fully like fully being on board this theory is that it would set them back at ground zero again and which wouldn't be that and although like maybe a small thing to like separate them might be good maybe in the end of season three like it's the climax the stakes need to be really raised but at this point right now what's most important is um rebuilding their friendship rather than testing them over and over again to the point where it's irreparable yeah, I don't think he's the betrayer. Uh, I never felt that, or I never got that, even when the episode came out. It just, it's just too obvious. He's already done. I mean, if anything, there's a lot of betrayers, but it depends on what kind of betrayer you're talking about, because, you know, one thing that could come and bite him back in the ass is what he said to Bella, and it's technically not a lie, but Lauren just has to trust him and know who he is and believe that he has to put up a front in order to say these things in front of Bella and that you know if anything does become a rift between them it's just miscommunication i feel like always the miscommunication right which again this episode as we'll see later was like whoa it's a big breakthrough in in communication it wasn't like 100 percent, but it was like way more than i expected them but we'll get to it when we get to it there's so so much in this episode (laughs) oh yeah so 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 much you know the next panel we see like we see Lauren tightening her um her grasp on the door rail because she's kind of anxious about what she's going to say next and what she tells him is she says actually I meant to and she's again stammering out of nerves I meant to thank you for helping me with Chow's case and she's looking down and not at him while she's saying this because she can't look him in the eye he's not looking her in the eye either so she's very uncomfortable with that level of emotional intimacy. And I think she's uncomfortable thanking people because she's a very independent spirit. She's used to doing everything on her own. She doesn't collaborate with other people for better or for worse. Again, like it's a good thing that she's so independent, but she also does not communicate with people, doesn't collaborate with people. She's missing out on a lot of, I think, information and help because of, because of that. So she's her uncomfortable pride. thanking him. What? Yeah. Her pride is just so high. Yeah, her yeah. pride is wounded when she has to thank him. <laughs> He did do all the work though, and she got all the credit. Yeah, <laughs> I still, I'm upset about that. Yeah. Kieran is Whatever, saving. I man. need Kier- or I need Lauren to save Kieran for once. Like Kieran has saved her so many times. Like Seriously. when he got the child case, like when he saved her with Onslow, when he saved her, like when she was about to be sliced by those like um, bodyguards on that rooftop, like back in season one. Um, what else? There's been so many times. He saved her from Bella. Yeah, Bella's. Yeah. 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 I need I need Lauren to save Kieran for once. Like <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> yeah, that's always you know what people have like a lot of women have this trope of the man saving them. My trope since I was like five was like the woman saving the man. I was like, I want to save the poor man. Yeah. Don't even ask. Know. It's my my weakness. Damsel <laughs> in distress, Kieran. Doing this, right. I no. just feel like when we do get Lauren saving Kieran, it's gonna be him in chains 
hung up, bleeding, oh and almost dead. Yikes. Oh, stop. No, I didn't. We've already seen enough of that in the past. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what that is, by the way, that's torture porn. <laughs> I When I first heard the term torture porn, I was like, whoa, that is amazing. That is such a good tor- term. So, yes. Well, you know, it's, it's so funny because um, a long time ago on Discord, on the server, we were like waiting for Kieran panel of him shirtless but oh, and no. we joked we joked <laughs> we said it would be him being tortured and that was the only time and then f supplied i think she i think she was like lurking on the server and saw us talking about it and then like purposely did that i'm pretty oh sorry <laughs> oh no go on um back on purple garden people were talking about chloroform and like the best way to kidnap someone and like knock them out and f ended up seeing it and was like oh i'm gonna have to steal that for purple hyacinth and what did what would you know about like 20-ish episodes later we have sandman kidnapping lauren and so if for that plot twist in that cliffhanger you're gonna have to blame the old server and the people on there for that <laughs> because mm-hmm. they inspired f and yeah we were left hanging for a week <laughs> i know oh my gosh those were riveting those episodes i was on the edge i had at that point stored up a whole bunch so i read the, i read a lot at once and i was like my, i i don't read action or like horror or any of that kind of stuff i'm very like like flower yeah in my like my my reading like good stuff only and I was like sitting there like and my heart was pounding I never had my heart pound when I read it's like what so it was very exciting yeah I think it was the episode that steak died the the music had my blood boiling like my heart was just beating so fast and I was even though I knew it was coming I was just like I didn't didn't expect that did you think that steak was gonna die like that for sure I totally thought he was gonna die by Bella I didn't think he was going to die I thought he would end up like I thought he would like end up climbing the ranks and end up being like the big bad what no he was just yeeted he's like half a brain cell I know (laughs) but like I don't know he's like Lauren's rival you would think that like they would like you know face off at the very end true but also she did hint from before that she was going to get rid of him. I mean, there was a lot of signs coming up to that, that she was going to get rid of him. And to be honest, Fleming's is probably the next to go. And then, you know, oh God, don't even get me started on the whole Raphael thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We can talk about that. You know what? So at the end of every episode, I totally forgot to tell you guys, I'm going to do bonus questions for Patreon. So we can do that for a bonus question if you want. Cool. Oh, dope. Um, okay. I, oh, sorry. I just want to add one last thing about sake. Oh boy. <laughs> and I think Shibi knows this. <laughs> um, I was shocked when I saw Sake killed because I'm actually like very convinced that he is the spy master. Really? She had a lot of good points. Yeah. Um, so although it's part of a bigger theory, which you can find on the Discord, but the gist of it was this is part of it, is that Sake was the spy master because you know that the spy master has been around since Allendale, and Sake has also been around since Allendale. And I feel like he would just be like the biggest thing that none of us would have ever seen coming. And that's kind of the thing about PH is that it the plot twist makes sense, but in a way that you wouldn't have predicted them. So, Insig is just 
It makes sense because he was gone for a while. He had a bunch of jobs, apparently. I mean, it's going to be really interesting because Sake isn't out of the story. If anything, he's talked about more now than ever, now that he's dead. But it's like all the stuff that they're going to find come the future about like everything that he did. I think it's going to lead up to like the old mines, which could help them like find out where the dynamite is, where the nitroglycerin, everything about it. So I think them diving into his past is going to help them prevent any bombings from happening so thanks sake (laughs) finally useful for once (laughs) it's just an idea but it's where he worked so I feel like that's important if they keep bringing it up yeah um they're also bringing a lot more attention like as we were seeing in the past few episodes um they're bringing a lot more attention to uh the sake and chow case which Lauren was on a year ago and it now it's about Lauren trying to like free herself of that and get uh Maria who is Chow's wife out of jail and so there's going to hopefully we'll see a lot more death and death into that um case and what happened there and Kieran is obviously learning more about it and so uh like Kieran we will slowly be unraveling this mystery around Lauren yeah, I was um, surprised when we when we had that like extra shot, like um, flashback of her helping him. Like, I didn't think that there or like the additional information that we got about the interrogation, because I thought like that whatever information we had at first, like okay, that that's what it was. I didn't realize that there was more to it. So it was, that was interesting. Again, there was always that question left unsaid of like how he got shot and how does that make sense to like the whole situation prior? And it was just it was such a hole left unsaid for a while. And I can't believe we're just now getting this. <laughs> it. It's a long <laughs> ride. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of strings that have to be, like loose ends that have to be tied up. <laughs> Which is actually another question. I'm curious, how long do you think this um, story is going to go for? Like how many seasons? Um, we have three seasons confirmed. Uh, a while, like six months ago, I've said that it might go up to five, but right now three is most likely. Yeah, and uh, Silk said on the stream recently, it was pretty recent, like January, she said that it's still up in the air. It just really depends on, like, how fast they can get episodes out. Like, there's going to be, like, a a break in between, so how long does that last? Because if, you know, by season three, that can be quite a bit of time. So if they decide on a season four or season five, they're having to think about their own livelihoods and what they want to do for their futures, so... Yeah. Um, so obviously, like, she has other projects that she would want to move on from. I think they've talked, she's talked about having a comedy series mm-hmm. on Webtoon. Yeah. And then F is a med student. So she's, she's got that career that she has to also focus on. Also very interesting, like how authors combine, you know, what's their goal in life and if they're doing other stuff. So for sure. So if you want to go back to the episode, maybe. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We get, yeah, we get really <laughs> off track. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't be sorry. It's good. But, you know, just a balance of both. So Lauren, you know, continues thanking him. And again, she's not looking him in the face. She's looking down because it's really hard for her to, it's hard for her to like get that ego, get over that ego of hers and like thank other people. And she's like, it means much more to me than you could know, which is again, admitting vulnerability and like something personal. So very commendable that she's doing it. And you know, she's even like hiding her face. She's like the only bright spot in a very awful week, really. Haha. <laughs> so again, a little bit of couching it with humor, but at the same time admitting that she had a very bad week, which is again being open with him. 
love it. It's really so cute. And Kieran, I know like he appreciates this so much, really. He just, she might be bashful about this, but like, I think he appreciates this more than she knows. They're looking into each other's eyes. (laughs) And she says so genuinely, thank you, Kieran. And they're like right next to each other. And everyone's like, kiss, kiss. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't think they were going to kiss, but it sure looks nice. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) but I'm patient (laughs) yeah um it's a little thing is that when she says genuinely and she's being honest it's finally when they make eye contact and it um you scroll a few panels down um she removes her hand the door opens and she's crossed over the line that we mentioned earlier she's now on Kieran's side and there's no barrier between them so beautiful mm-hmm. I didn't realize it consciously but yes oh my gosh that is amazing she crossed over, like, the, the light as well has a, a bit of a, a line there uh it's also something to note the panel of her crossing the line and stepping closer to him and the one prior I recommend uh when the episode drops for free that you screenshot it and brighten it or ask someone for like before it was rendered so you can see their expressions better because it's really important if you can see their expressions the one after when lauren steps closer to kieran is actually like a really sly smile it's so funny the one before kieran is actually smiling at her and she looks really concerned when he says they're not my friends it's just a little thing to note because the panels are really dark and you aren't really able to see their expressions Hmm. Okay. Pictures are in JPEG form though, so I'm zooming in now, and I think even if you did enhance it, it's a bit um, messy around the edges, so I'm not sure if you'll be able to see the smile. Oh boy. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, well, on a computer, it'll probably be a lot better. Things always seem to be a lot better on my computer. <laughs> also, who shut the door? She shut the door, right? I think he just let go of it and it closed. Yeah. Oh, which is showing, you know, he's accepting mm-hmm. what she's saying enough to commit to being there. Like he's not walking out anymore. Again, beautifully like symbolic, both for their relationship, besides for just the present moment. Oh, <laughs> that's beautiful. That moment of them just shrouded in darkness, looking at each other so close to each other. Definitely growing closer. Finally, like a, I love that we finally get panels of them far away so we can see them both. Usually it's like we don't see them standing next to each other very often. This also helps my theory that Karen is six foot and not five nine. <laughs> Wait, why, why? Because Lauren's height is confirmed? Uh, uh, I think yes. she's five seven. Uh, Lauren is five, she's five six. On. It was or confirmed by F on the other server. She's on the got old heels server. Yeah. They never decide on a Kieran height. Apparently, he was five nine to five six, or what? Five nine five to nine six to foot. Six foot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I'm five six. His man is six foot four. He's very tall. <laughs> but yeah, so six inches apart in that picture you're saying. <laughs> okay. Mm, well, she's got the heels on, so I don't know. Uh, heels? I don't see any heels. That maybe she's I think she, it was. She, she always wears heels. Another panel. It's kind of hard yeah. to tell. Okay. So anyway, so going back to the fun in the bar, 
they're going crazy and <laughs> there's somebody i don't think we know him is saying oh, hello liam <laughs> oh that's yeah, liam that's liam i've been calling him andrew this whole time <laughs> oh my god that's liam he's from life he's from the other webtoon that's so good that's why um because i was wondering who the blonde lady was in episode 80 and somebody was like oh her name is grace she's from she's also from life i haven't i started reading life i didn't finish it that's cool that she put some of their characters there yeah andrew grace liam okay awesome well i'll have to read it then for sure finish it at least so he's like he's on the stage he's screaming hello weaklings get your living liver lily livered asses over here for a drinking <laughs> contest that's one standing wins which is not very safe but whatever it's that's kind of the, my only like one true objection is like there's way too much drinking Sorry, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i just i don't want people dying you know of over drink accidentally because they don't know like limits for alcohol so anyway it's just a word you can die if you drink too much alcohol people yes. so don't do that <laughs> alcohol intoxication is bad mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i love so, that kira or i love that lauren is just like gung-ho on getting Karen drunk <laughs> like she's so ready to do this <laughs> he's in this smirk and he has this totally nervous glance and I think by the way and she's like Kieran is joining I wonder if the reason she wanted this was because she wanted to see Kieran loosen up and see what would come out of him when he was drunk <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this is the purple hyacinth <laughs> <laughs> we're like maybe but more like you know um not necessarily like talk about his feelings for her but just like talk about himself more or maybe spill some information although i don't i don't think so because lauren's not really asked him about information like she hasn't probed him really but i think i don't know that's I think really, she just wanted him to be a bit happy yeah to have just a, to have a good to have time. some fun like live a little yeah and she just literally drags him along. He's like, excuse you, mild panic, yeets him. <laughs> and again, it's hilarious because he's, you know, the assassin, the murderer, the super powerful one. And she just manages to totally kowtow him, doesn't regard his will, doesn't ask him what he wants. It just like pushes him there. And he's just lets her do what she wants to him. He doesn't say no, he doesn't resist. <laughs> which I think is a little bit of an indication of like the fact that he's a bit of a simp for her, <laughs> I think. You know, he can be sometimes for sure. I think he, I think because she thanked him, he felt it would have been rude to leave after that. Like, but you know, her dragging him to go drink and potentially sing, you know, it's just like a part of him wants to do it. And yeah, he does have a the moment. Oh, and yeah. he saw them in the last episode. They were having fun. And it's not often that he gets to do something like that when he's like running across rooftops and murdering loon convicts. So like, and he, you know, just time to relax among the chaos of it all. Sweet and sad. And of course, at this very moment, Kim chooses to wake up. She's nestled against Will's chest, but she's like, oh, did someone say a drinking contest? And poor Will, he's like, no, 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 you misunderstood to go back to sleep. And he like smushes her face, which is so cute. And he tries to get her to stay, but you can't stop Kim from doing what she wants because she literally slips out of his grasp <laughs> and runs. And she's like, your lieutenant is up for the challenge, everyone. <laughs> so both of these men have been egged on by women who like them. <laughs> 
I love the little kiwi here. They're just so adorable. He just, just go back to sleep, stay laying on my chest. No more drinking. (laughs) Will is hilarious. He's such a funny character. I'm a lot like Will, like in that very straight laced. (laughs) Oh, Will. He's such a cinnamon roll. Yeah. Serves better. So now they're all sitting at the table looking quite hapless. We have Will, we have March, unknown person, Kieran, and Lucas. <laughs> right? Do we know the person in the middle? No, I think he's random. Yeah, <laughs> looks random. Apparently he's a winner because I mean they <laughs> I for some reason either Will and Kieran tied and they both lost or yeah, we don't know exactly what, but like we see Lucas at some point standing up there. We see March singing, and Lucas behind him, and then Lily is sorry, Lila is looking at him with this cute little look in her face. So yeah, she clearly likes. Well, I guess theoretically she could be looking at March, but we're sorry. <laughs> Poor March. <laughs> I feel so bad for March. Like he's just like this wholesome dad. Like, here's my question about March. Marge is so good. Do you suspect him of being bad? Yes. yes. He's either going to die or he's bad. I mean, okay. The PS, like, kind of side, they need spies in the um, in the police who can get rid of evidence. And March is a detective. And this is, this has been going on for 10 years. March is decently old, so he, he has been in the APD probably for a while, and he's the um, head detective at their precinct. And so... It is likely that March has been covering the tracks of Phantom Scythe members. And he was at the funeral. He was or, also at the funeral. I'm going to hold out for the goodness of humanity. I'm going to represent the optimistic side. Or March is just a really, really good guy. And he's going to be good throughout the whole time. I, hope. I have more faith in Herman being a better person than I do in March. Yeah. <laughs> That's saying a lot. Same I though, don't think- like- I don't think Herman is evil. I think he's maybe very rigid and I think he's got a slightly jealous mean streak to him, but I don't think he's evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what, what do you think about Herman? He's um, just like, I think he's honestly just trying to live a good life, but I feel like some things have made him sour. Maybe he lost somebody. Yeah, I have a theory that he lost Dana, that he was like, um, actually, Dan- he was like in charge of Dana at the time, uh, which is Kim's sister. Yeah. And we know that she died. And it is theorized that she was a police officer because of the way that Kim talks about police officers in episode, what was it? 30? 31? One of the two. And so people think that Kim's sister was a police officer and obviously she died. And so if Kim was living was still living in the 11th precinct at the time it's likely that her sister worked in the 11th precinct meaning that her sister would have worked under Herman and so my theory is that Dana died under Herman's watch and it made Herman really sour about it because um he just it was just at the beginning of the phantom scythe right and so he probably didn't expect it and um I would guess that he was actually like kind of attached to Dana like sort of like you know a second dad or something like we see March being dad to the characters uh Herman was dad to like Dana and um Kim has a very suspicious moment in episode 40 46 I believe where she's talking about spies and so 
it may have been that her sister was a spy. Herman defended Dana when she was accused of being a spy because he didn't know she was a spy. And then when, um, when, it, when they finally got evidence that she was a spy, uh, Herman found out and it cost him the promotion. So that's, what, that's why he's bitter. And, that, and Lauren, who's also pretty impulsive, like I would imagine Dana to be, um, reminds him, uh, Lauren reminds him of Dana, which is why he demoted her because if Lauren was still a detective, she probably would have also have died by now. If that makes any sense, I'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> That is, no, that that that's totally possible, and it was, would also explain why he's so straight laced and why he's so suspicious. You know, he doesn't want any sign of like corruption or or double agency in his police precinct. So that would explain that. But yeah, this is very interesting. This this is what I don't do at all. I don't do any of the speculation. But it's very interesting to hear it. <laughs> the whole thing with Harvey, though, he was very calm during that. So I think he's very familiar with the Golden Viper and the cases that were like prior to that like do you know what I mean like maybe maybe Herman has a soft spot for Lauren but he just doesn't show it right he's probably worried for her you know her being reckless her going off on her own doing all these things trying to find information and answers will get her killed and like a part of him would I mean how would you feel in his shoes if you let the niece of the chief of police die on your watch that's stressful. Well, I'm glad I, I was never like of the hate Herman party. So I'm glad that you two are sympathetic towards Herman. We are, I try to see both sides. We even are with Will's minority. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we, uh, I don't mind strict personalities. I'm pretty strict myself. So um, ask my children, but. <laughs> <laughs> you have so, to be. <laughs> Yes, otherwise nothing will get done in life. <laughs> I mean, just I've, sit read, there and all day. I've written an essay defending Stefan, of all people. <laughs> and so like defending Herman isn't too far-fetched yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that would be cool. I would like to read that essay. So, okay, so Lily, uh, I keep saying Lily, sorry, because the author of Minnie Poppinland is Lily. So I have that in my head, but Lila. Um, Lila she is looks gazing. like a Lily. What? Yeah. She looks like a Lily. <laughs> She's cute. <laughs> um so Lila's gazing you know tenderly at presumably Lucas probably not March and you know Willa and Kieran seem to be the last one standing they're both drinking and Lauren's also enjoying it she's has this really cute expression on her face I think it's like oh my god I can't believe they're doing this <laughs> Kim seems to be cheering them on next to her <laughs> but on the table and yeah, they have a singing contest at the end. I would have loved to hear them singing and have some audio of this moment. <laughs> I thought they were going to, honestly. But it's so funny because all I can think about is Soph's note now that my heart will go heart on. Will go the on. terrible recorder. <laughs> Me and playing in the background. So now when I read this, I'm only going to play that while I read it. <laughs> it's going to be terrible. We'll need a PH animated series to hear them sing <laughs> yeah I love the parallels here uh like with Lauren looking at Kieran and Will and the prior episode of Kieran oh, staring at Kim and Lauren and just both of them are going through like a happy moment like a glimpse like a spark of happiness and then like trauma <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. Of like, what a normal life. They're both looking at each other very tenderly, you know, kind of seeing each other in, in a goofy, their goofy elements. And yeah, it is very sweet. Same brain. Yeah, like he enjoyed her, you know, catching all those cups and she's enjoying him singing. It is really cute. Little smile on her face. Falling in love and you don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but then she finds herself because she's Lauren. She can't be happy for too long. <laughs> she has to go back to her obsession. <laughs> I know, right? Not, you know, her single-minded obsession that she's always thinking about. She's thinking back to what Abe said or that they were apostles, her parents. And, and the fact that he said no, um, and he lied. This was about, I'm trying to remember, this was about, but he didn't know the kids, right? So he said he did know the kids. And her, you know, looking at all those papers scattered in the attic and she's like, okay. She kind of had that expression like, okay, let me stop thinking about it. She closes her eyes. I think she does have a little bit of self-awareness enough to know like, okay, maybe now's not the time. And let me sometimes block out, you know, my repetitive obsessive thoughts and like focus on the present. I hope at least she's self-aware enough to try to do that. Do you think she is? (laughs) I'm just, I get her reasoning for why she thinks that, um, the kid in the car was Dylan because if any parent let their kid near Abel Sandman, I would call CPS on them. <laughs> I don't trust that dude at all. <laughs> now, but back then, apparently, you know, they did trust him. Well, yeah, he probably did recognize him and, you know, didn't think anything of it. And... I always assumed, well, actually, that's my question. We're going to get to when we discuss them, like the conversation later, but. Okay, you know what? We'll get to it later when we discuss yeah, that. Yeah, it's so, a big thing later. So, off track. Yeah. so now they're leaving the bar and the cutest thing ever because Lila and Lucas are leaving together. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> my shit. For the Lula shippers. It's <laughs> awesome. Meanwhile, the submarine. <laughs> submarine? What's the submarine? The Lockheed. Lockheed. <laughs> Lockheed sub- it's a submarine because we're mostly underwater. <laughs> Okay. This ship has sunk so far. Got it. <laughs> we have to improvise so we can survive. Okay. So actually, here's my question. S and E bars. Like, I feel like it was highlighted in two panels. Besides for like, okay, it's showing the bars closing and it's very late. Do you think it means anything? Are we supposed to like remember the name of the artist? Or the... Yeah. Well, I think it's supposed to be Sofin F. Yeah, Sofin F. That's, okay, that's what it. we guessed. Okay, I'm wondering if it'll like come up later as part of the plot or something. <laughs> Anyway, um, actually, the reason why I think I uh, assume that it's so enough because, um, because she's done that before when she doesn't want to spoil things, she'll just like write down S and E in random spots so people can't guess names and stuff. <laughs> There's okay. always such weird things on stream that I catch that soap does. <laughs> and then. Correct me if I'm wrong, the next panel is Will and the blonde police officer tossing Kim around. Oh, uh, yes, they're carrying Kim into oh. the car. <laughs> oh, no, Kim. <laughs> oh, poor Grace. <laughs> Even though Will did the drinking contest, he's still, like, handling, dealing with Kim. And I'm surprised that Will has a drinking tolerance. Same with Kieran. Kieran, what are you hiding? <laughs> I'm not so surprised about him, but... Yeah, he seemed sober. Oh, and then Kieran and together, which again is like a sign of their friendship that they're coupling off, you know, they're standing together and observing the crowd, like like a real couple, at least I felt, or at least friends. 
<laughs> I can't honestly stop thinking about Lauren's parents when I see that panel of Lauren and Karen up by the lamppost. They look like they look like Alex and Rachel. They That's do. it's tragic. It is one of my favorite panels. So I think it just like the distance we have and the perspective and then the lantern, like just in general, they look so casual. It's really nice to see. <laughs> And the w- words that they're saying are also beautiful because she's like, oh, what a night. And he's like, yeah, your precinct is a great bunch. Yeah. That is so sweet. Like he appreciates them. And he kind of, oh. I think he wishes he could, you know, be, have that life and not have to do what he's doing and just be a normal person and be a part of that fun. Mm-hmm. He I says your precinct people? though, like despite the fact that they both work there at that building now, he still doesn't consider himself part of it even after that, which is eventually he'll crack (laughs) maybe this will help him understand why lauren was so ignorant in 68 because he sees this precinct and like how joyful these people are and they're nothing like those other guys in Mm -hmm. precinct six like so that was also my first thought when i read that i was like i didn't think kieran's accusations were justified um because at least in the story, we didn't have enough information to say that that's what the police does all the time. You know, like from Lauren's perspective, the, like you said, besides the fact that her precinct is nice, you know, we, we didn't have any indication that the police doesn't do good things. So I do feel like it probably is more complex than what Kieran portrayed, which would also make sense because if he's coming from a background where they hated the police, then he would have one skewed perspective, which it doesn't necessarily reflect all of the police department. Yeah. Um, again, it's very subtle foreshadowing when it comes to this sort of issue. And episodes 65 and 68 have been our biggest episodes like rega- that like discuss this issue. Um, but it is still, I'd say, pretty relevant. Like we maybe not the police so much as the actual like how the lower class is treated. Um, in 68, we actually see the flashback. We see a flashback to episode 45, and we see how a woman is stealing jewels, and we see how they, they pull a gun on her, and it doesn't matter. She says it's for her mom, but we really don't know what her motive is, and likely it was because she couldn't support herself, as like we see later on. We see Kieran um, going to Grey Chapel, and there are children on these streets. Um, and th- these children are not getting a lot of help, which is obvious as they're not in an orphanage and they're quite literally begging random people. And something that I think is a really big thing, a really big indicator indicator of the social, I guess, the social, social situation of Artalis is Allendale and the PS, because the PS and Allendale and SD uh, Snapdragon, they're all central to this. And we don't, like you said, we don't see a lot of the, we don't see a lot of the mess that is the class war in Artalis. And that's why in 54, when Lauren finds the Snapdragon panels or pamphlets, uh, it's such a surprise to her because she'd never um, had any exposure to this. And because us, we, the audience, um, are viewing this story mainly from her perspective we've hardly had any exposure to the issue as well and so but now uh, Lauren is learning about it and now we are learning about it and now we can go back and we can realize 
every single tiny detail that the authors put that just completely flew over our heads. Um, my favorite, I wrote a bit on this a while back and it kind of predicted episode 68. Um, That's why I don't theorize. I don't like to predict what's going to happen. <laughs> it, was, it was mainly an observation. So let me see if I can find it. It's a good point though that you brought up. I didn't even think about like when I first started Purple Hyacinth and reading it, I didn't even think about Lauren pulling a gun on that lady as the wrong thing to do. For some reason, it just like, and that's wrong because- she wasn't phantom safe. I mean, even if she was, there's no indication that we knew. Yeah. And it was like, they brought up a lot of good points. Like she's very aggressive and it's just, I wonder if that's going to change things for Lauren. Mm -hmm. If she actually is ever on patrol again. (laughs) People who do steal a lot of times they're stealing or committing a crime because it's the only way for them to achieve what they need. And what seems to be the case in Artalis is a lot of people are turning to crime because they're unable to support themselves and their families financially, Mm -hmm. which is why the Phantom Scythe has been so successful because it is preying on the needs of a lower class, which has been neglected by the ruling class for so, so, so long. Oh my God, I just got a big brain theory. Oh dear. It has to do with Dokken. Oh God. And him being the apostle, the seventh apostle. What? Okay, so like Dokken fears that. He fears that the people are going to start joining the Phantom Scythe and even though he may be in the Phantom Scythe, that's not what he wants. He wants the complete opposite. So it's like trying to heal the the society and the city is going to help his side of things if he is part of the coup. Could be. (laughs) There was a huge theory. Someone dropped a big theory about Dokken being the apostle. Like for a long time, we've said that he's an apostle <laughs> and that he could potentially be the seventh one and part of the coup and, you know, trying to stop the leader himself and whatnot. So it's very interesting. Um, the thing I want to bring up around Allendale and why it was targeted by the PS is because it was actually a pet project of the king, uh, the late king, uh, King Edward. He financed um, Allendale with what we assume to be um, taxpayer money. And in episode 66, we actually find out from one of the Snapdragon pamphlets that taxes around the time that Allendale was being constructed, taxes on the poor had been significantly raised. Um, And obviously the poor, like the lower class, they don't have the money to pay those taxes. And... um, and Allendale is cheap labor uh, the lower class is considered cheap labor by the um, upper class and I'm just going to read what I wrote back in October so um, the first part of it is just trying to figure out like how wealth is distributed across the city eventually we learned that um, the south shore so like the precincts that are south of everything else those are the poorest districts. And so I said the Allendale train station was a pet project of the king, something located in the first precinct. Using conclusions from above, it would make sense to say that the area is relatively wealthy as it borders precincts 13, 12, and a bit of 11, which are all um, northern precincts. And because precinct one, which is where Allendale was, is such a wealthy area that ATS um, may have been another example of how the monarchy kept placing funds into precincts that didn't need it rather than pre sinks washed in poverty 
um, like someone else said, they could have built an orphanage or created more jobs in the poor precincts, but here in, we see they instead built a fancy train station. Well, yes, it can be argued that the train station created some labor jobs for people in the surrounding precincts, such as three and two, which were theorized to be poor. One, trace, one train station can't raise those areas out of poverty. And what's worse, if those aren't the poor precincts and it's actually the precincts that are westward, um, none of those people will be able to commute to the train station as the distance is just way too far. And after all this, it's likely that the people in the poor districts won't be able to use the beautiful station that was built off their hard work and manual labor. Instead, the wealthy get to use it. And it's just another luxury in their life that they won't pay much attention to once the hype slows down. But the funds that were used to build the train station could have been crucial to areas that the poor, uh, the poor people lived in. Like, just imagine that you worked really hard to build this beautiful station and you can't even use it if you don't stay subservient to the wealthy. You, if you don't stay subservient to the wealthy, you and your family you might starve. Um, every day you see your fellow workers join you in paving paths, installing columns, and you can't help but feel a rush of jealousy that your kids can't go to school five days a week because the teachers aren't paid enough. Or maybe the school building is falling apart and it's not safe to work in. The mere existence of the train station is a slight to everyone in the lower class. It is a symbol of everything they have been cheated out of by the wealthy. And of course, that's why the Phantom Scythe would target it. Um, and the man, um, Edward, who had been ignoring them for so long, um, they were just tired of being overlooked. Sorry, that was also very off topic. <laughs> I mean, I could definitely see that. My first thought was actually trains because like they're, um, you know, they go every, they go to presumably a lot of places was actually that, yeah, you know, trains could be a good thing, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, your theory is totally plausible. I actually think it was a really good point because a lot of these uh, workers, uh, you can't find work everywhere in the city. All these people do need jobs. So using this train as a means to go places and work and provide for your family is taken away because they don't want to build on the South shore and it's too far for you. And you are too poor for a car and like any other means. So it's just like you're cut from everything and there's only so much you can do until it snaps. And that's the phantom size. I really like that uh, the train station is the target. Like that's the purpose of the target. Cause I never really thought about it as to why the train station. I just figured it was just the perfect moment, moment to, you know, kill the king, basically him being in public you know, it all planned out and whatnot. That would be interesting to see if that was something deliberate. Cool. No, I like the, I like the speculation. Very cool. So getting back to the episode again. Sorry. Uh, no, don't be sorry. It's, it's very, very cool. Just, you know, go back and forth between that. So Kieran gives her this really, really cute smile. He's like, Kim, it's just as crazy as the first day I saw you. And we have a little bit of a flashback to her banging on the glass, which to me is, so one of the, um, one of the topics I researched um, in school was marriage and marriage and divorce and all that. And um, apparently one of the best signs that you're in a happy marriage is if you ask a couple to tell you how they met and they like get excited and they tell you about it and they're like, oh yeah, we met like this. And they go on for like half an hour about their story of how they met, you know, even 30 years later, because that means they still love each other. So he remembers how they met. He like it's distinct to him. It's like the first day I met you. Aww, I that foot in the face. That's so sweet. 
I really love this. Um, F, actually a long time ago on Purple Garden, she mentioned that, or someone had asked that will Kieran bring up the whole Kim slamming her face into the, to the glass. So, so happy to finally see this brought up. And it's another favorite panel of mine of Kieran taking off those glasses and suddenly he's the Kieran we know. You know what I mean? It's like, he's so good at that. Mm-hmm. He looks quite handsome without those glasses. <laughs> Just saying. I do want to say though, like, uh, so after the whole foot in the face thing, I did go back and reread just to count how many foot in the face panels we get. And there's, I think two of each. I think they both get two kicks in the face. <laughs> so that's, um, they're, yeah, they're doing great. <laughs> yeah. And it's really cute. And then he's looking down at her and they're looking up and she's looking up at him and it's adorable. Oh and he's my saying, God, I love the feels so I much. Know, right? And he says, and he's pointing out something that he thinks is cute about her. He says, I think meeting you lying on the floor catching cups would have been better. He noticed that he thought it was adorable. <laughs> but he acted like he didn't care. He acts like a middle school boy with a crush. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't care during the bar, but oh yeah, now, yeah, that's cute it's peak um right person wrong time yeah that's, like the biggest thing <clears throat> but like, kieran's taste would be a girl on the ground catching cups he would find that quirky girl in the bar that and that's lauren or a guy <laughs> oh or a guy i really do hope we uh get some kind of backstory with kieran that maybe he did have an ex so that we get the uh, whole "Hey, Kieran is by" thing because it is canon. I don't yeah. want Kieran to have an ex because I am very jealous for Lauren. Oh no! Heart should be completely Lauren's. <laughs> if if Kieran does have an ex, I hope it's not Bella. Oh no! Totally Bella, Please by the way. Sorry, I not don't want... what I just said. They I totally don't... had something going on there. Uh, I don't think they dated. I don't want Bella to be reduced to as like the jealous ex by the fandom. I don't think That's they what I dated. Worry about. <laughs> Okay, you know what? I get that, but I did get that vibe from her a little yeah, bit. True. I, I got not the jealous necessarily, a little bit jealous, but more like resentful and a little bit upset that she was that he wasn't with her. And and why Kieran clearly doesn't like her anymore because he sees her as immoral because she likes killing. And I think I got the sense that she was upset that he doesn't like her anymore. Or they kind of wounded her. She's also very possessive over Lauren and she hasn't even had a conversation with the girl she, I mean, is this over like she's mine to kill kind she, of way I don't know because the way that she was saying it to him what episode was it 73 was it she said you know when something catches her eye it's something important to her so Lauren's I gonna that was a veiled reference to Kieran that Kieran had caught her eye and he was still on her on her mind <laughs> See, I think Bella's going to keep Lauren alive because she's going to sh- strike some interest. And There's something because she didn't kill her um, when she knocked her unconscious with Tim's stake. I thought she would like, there was no reason for her not to kill him. And she was like, oh, too many witnesses. It was like, like a lame they stop you at the circus, lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's kind of ironic and funny at the same time. Because sake, she's just like, yeah, I'll kill you in public. Sake <laughs> doesn't deserve the respect of a private death (laughs) (laughs) 
I know. I'm curious. I will find out. I do think there's something, there was something between them. I mean, obviously besides for whatever, however they knew each other, but in the past, I do think there was something romantic. So anyway, Lauren tells him, she's like, oh yes, best version of myself. You're lucky man to have seen that subordinate. Subordinate. <laughs> it's like the first time Finally. she's called him that since like episode 38. And for us, that's <sighs> been like a year. <laughs> it's been a year since And 38 was like, oh yeah, wasn't it where have you been subordinate? Yeah. I think that was the last time. Wow. It's that's been so long. <laughs> They're teasing, they're joking, it's so cute. And they're walking off together. And she didn't even say, he didn't even like, I guess they just go the same way. So he's just walking with her, but I'm glad that he followed. He didn't just like let her walk off. But you know, they don't live near each other, right? Because like she she mentions like, oh, I'm not gonna walk across town, blah, blah, blah. He didn't want to carry her across town. But um, so they don't live near each other, but they're still walking together. So they live (laughs) on opposite sides of the precinct (laughs) yes so she would actually now i'm kind of confused because they go to the bridge so obviously they're heading to kieran's place but what is lauren doing have you have we determined is the bridge on the way to kieran it's like kieran's um, place is very close to the we would assume that they were in a bar in the 11th precinct so crossing a bridge doesn't make sense as there's no bridge in the 11th precinct except if you're trying to leave it but no, any of the precincts no that they would... in the precinct. that's why i'm confused it seems like lauren is going away from her house because kieran yeah. would be walking past the bridge to go to his place okay, okay. Bridge, huh? right? but walking <laughs> walking in peach doesn't make sense because kim took like in uh 63 like kim took will on an entire tour like they outlined the precinct before she took him to her to his house <laughs> and um what we are what we guess and what we've been theorizing is that the richer properties are up north they're like and so kim would have taken him like every everywhere but his house and so walking in ph just doesn't make sense just like december (laughs) wait so because karen's place is on the other side of the bridge not not the south shore yeah, Karen is uh, right So they had, had no you, reason to be on that bridge. It's how hard to arrive at the, at, the, at the conclusion that there's only one bridge. Well, there's um, two. There's several bridges. Oh, no, there's more than two. There's there, a map there's, somewhere. Let me find the map. There's more there's than two. There's two that connect the, the north and south. And then I think there's one on the west side. Where was there this might map? be two. Was it in like the season one recap thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, there's two, you, though. There's two bridges. I can... Let me At send least. it to you. Guys, maybe this is like the whole date thing. Maybe this is not supposed to make sense. <laughs> I know. Like yeah. the, the timeline. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It, we could spend hours going over it. And we, <laughs> because we don't, we know the the one name of the bridge. The one, the one bridge's name, I forget. Lawrence? St. Lawrence? Uh, okay, so yeah, there there are three. So he lives, didn't we guess, or didn't F say we got it right. he that lives, it was on the northeast part, lives, right up by the bridge? He lives on the southwest part of the 11th precinct, like right, that little corner right next to the bridge. And we got F to confirm it, and it was <laughs> one of the peaks of the So close to Golden Clover. Yeah. Southwest, um, okay. 
of the 11th precinct? Yeah, kind of close, a little bit farther down. Yeah, in so, the 11th precinct. I'm trying to look if there's another bridge. I'd... All right, let's just assume it doesn't make any sense. One <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thing, um, I know my friend and I, when we were in school, we used to walk, we used to be like, oh, I'll walk you home. And then we'd walk 10 blocks to her house and then she'd be like, I'll walk you home. And then she'd yeah. walk back to my house. I'll walk you home. We'd just walk back and forth. So <laughs> maybe they're doing that. <laughs> Because they want to be with each other. Oh, yeah. Because Kieran's smiling. I wonder if he's smiling the whole way. Because, like, Aww. we see him just smiling here. And Lauren's about to run the mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's having a good time. You know, romantic stroll on the bridge. What could be better? <laughs> In the freezing cold. <laughs> I think they should, you know, huddle close for warmth. Just Hold his hands. Small. <laughs> Yeah, but Lauren is thinking, and she's thinking a betrayal, painful, unexpected, but inevitable ending, you know, thinking about what the fortune teller told her, someone around you has or will stab you in the back, which I like that kind of like the openness, because what is it the has part? I'm kind of inclined both. to think it's has, you know? I'm, I'm thinking both. both. Yeah, it makes sense if it's both, because like, especially if it's like, someone who we didn't know was in the ps actually being in the ps because that means like they betrayed her at first and they're betraying her now by still being there like they betrayed her by being in there and that they're betraying her by still being in it does that make sense (laughs) yeah but she clenches her fist and she doesn't want to think that she's like no and she thinks back to um kieran in the closet saying i just want you to know that i will not cause you more harm than i already did i sincerely mean it and she's thinking of him protecting her after the circus, get away from here, I'll deal with Bella. And she's like, no, not him. And that's like just amazing that she's come to this level where like she trusts him enough and it's it's something that's emotionally meaningful for her where she doesn't want to not trust him. She wants to trust him. It's, you know, like this is something that's gotten into her heart now. It's so profound and it's a great progress for Lauren. And because that's saying a lot, I'm not very happy with Lauren these past few episodes uh the whole thing with sandman in general i mean if we're going by how many days have passed she's had a lot of time to tell him a lot of things and now we're down to the wire we're like two days before the whole sandman meeting i'm pretty sure it's like right after new year's so it's it's now or never lauren mm-hmm. 100% i mean that's my totally biggest issue with Lauren is like you have to talk more like you're just missing out on so much (laughs) for a detective like you don't know how to work collaboratively anyway and but she now like for once she is going to tell him she's like and he deserves to know which again it's like you're thinking about it in terms of like he deserves to know rather than like oh I should tell him because of my own personal reasons or you know selfish desires to get more information so again that's like a sign of like her treating him as a person and really taking him into consideration and his feelings and his heart and his needs. <laughs> I love this. Um, so like, you know, she had a mental list before the bar. And, you know, for me, I'm so happy to see that Kieran is the first one crossed off on that mental list. Cause unfortunately, Kim is still on that list. Like, even though she stopped after thinking of Kim, it's we still don't know. Unfortunately. I suspect Dana was the spy, not of the Liddell family, not Kim. <laughs> yeah. I feel that's what my whole theory was too, that Dana was the spy. Hmm. But I think there's just some things about Kim that 
you know, she just, there's so much about her that we just don't know. Yeah, she's definitely still hiding some stuff. All of them are. <laughs> maybe not Will, though. Not sure about Will. His family is hiding stuff, but maybe not him specifically. <laughs> he does not give up any suspicious vibes at all. But anywho, Lauren decides to talk and she's like, hey, there are a few things I need to tell you. And she, you know, she hesitates. She, you know, clenches her, her fist and looking away, she says a lot, actually. And she's looking over at the bridge. And again, she's like stammering the whole time. She's like, I, I suppose I'll start with the beginning. And Kieran's giving her this very intense look. I feel like he's like, oh, what is she going to say now? <laughs> what am I going to hear? But his eyes are furrowed and definitely, I think, a very he's, attentive. He's long waited for this, you know, and um, to go back, it's a little bit, it surprised me that Lauren didn't automatically think about Kieran as the betrayal when she was at the carnival. Because, like, in my opinion, like, if I had some fortune teller tell me that, and then I am waiting for Kieran to come back, and he's right there, and then I see him, I my brain would assume right away, like, is he the one that's going to betray me? But, like, Lauren's brain is so slow that it took her, like, two weeks? <laughs> two and a half weeks, maybe? I don't know. He is the first person to betray her, though, so it is reasonable yes. that um, she would jump back to him again when she's told there's going to be another betrayal because mm -hmm. although i don't really consider him not telling her that he was going to go kill the i don't convicts. Think, i don't think that yeah. was a betrayal that was just i don't see it as a betrayal because yeah honestly the there's more know. of a betrayal from lauren right now than karen her not telling him that sandman knows who he is is such a detrimental thing yeah. i thought a lot of people know he's never biased though yeah, but, like, not someone who would risk him. Like, they wouldn't go to the police. They're Phantom Sight members. They wouldn't risk okay. mm -hmm. exposing him. So, mm -hmm. Sandman, he's threatening. He's blackmailing Warren, and Karen deserves to know that. I see. Yeah. Well, she does go on. She's like, I didn't tell you the truth that day. And there's a lot of whooshes, which I guess is the water. And she says, when we caught Ansel with a golden clover... Yeah, and he, he knows what she's talking about because he's not dumb. He's like, yeah, we found a picture and you told me it was related to your demotion. And she says, yes, I've always wondered. And he you know, tells her the truth. I wondered what on earth you saw in it. And then she tells him I reacted so violently because I saw stake in the photograph. And the picture was taken on the day of the explosion near the entrance of the Allendale train station. But the real reason I lost it, and you know, there's a lot of like pain on her face when she says that, is because stake was in my parents' car with my parents' driver. And she's looking at him when she says that. So, and she's like expressing the full range of her emotion when she says that, which again, to me is like, she's trusting him with that, with something intimate and vulnerable and raw about her. And the, the connection with the whole Allendale station. I love that Kieran is connecting the pieces himself. You know, Kieran found out more information than Lauren did in 10 years. <laughs> well, to be fair, he's had more access to Phantom yeah. information than she yeah. has. <laughs> but he's also just got a, a more of a, a balanced, logical head on him. Lauren's kind of been just spinning. She's like a little... Like he said in the beginning, she has been spinning in circles, and she still is. 
Oh, yeah. My big frustration all along was like, Lauren, if you want to get to the bottom of this, like you have the perfect source of information next to you, like ask him questions. Yeah. I was like, why not talk to him? Is he willing to answer those questions? Mm -hmm. Because like they started, they started off this whole, um, this whole loon thing because both each person had information that the other needed. So Kira needed access to, um, like he needed someone, um, preferably in the police who could help him like in investigations if they had any files on the people. But then Lauren is also helpful because she can give him information when someone is lying, which is something he doesn't have the ability of knowing. However, um, and then on Lauren's side, she needs Kieran because he has information on the phantom side that she needs but doesn't have access to. And so both were just profiting off the other for their own um, for their own gain. And ultimately, that's why their relationship didn't work in season one because it wasn't meant to. It was just um, superficial and just like another business transaction. Right. <clears throat> but now that the deal is off, everything is just kind of out in the open yep they don't have to about they don't have to oblige by those rules anymore of like no personal questions or telling ever telling the other person everything because there's they don't have that any they don't have that rule anymore and so karen doesn't have to tell lauren anything lauren doesn't have to tell him anything she um but now they actually get space to be personal with the other and share personal information now that they don't have it a rule like even before when they had that rule, like they weren't keeping it, they weren't telling each other everything, please. <laughs> like, yeah. So now here's the interesting part. She tells him, you know, with my parents' driver, Abel Sandman, and then boom, his eyes go wide. What do you think about that? Why do you think so? Why my you theory is like huge, and I, oh my goodness, we'll be here all night. <laughs> TV, you're gonna have you have to <sighs> tell me. I'm I'm sorry. Maybe next, maybe later, but you're gonna have to tell me at some point. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting that he reacted that way because he also says below that, uh, I see your driver was already one of them. As if he had just confirmed with himself knowledge that he just found out that is important to him. And it makes me worry because is Kieran going to do something to Sandman now? Because now that he has this information and this name, because, you know as we get further down obviously Kieran knew something about the children in the car and he may have known some of the other people in the car and now that he knows who Sandman is and that he was also responsible for whatever happened to those children he might feel the need to get some type of justice. I think with that is that didn't Kieran say he only kills when he's ordered to and when he absolutely has to? I feel like a revenge killing would be out of place for him. I feel like he wouldn't do it because Lauren needs questions, but I feel like he would beat the shit out of Sandman. <laughs> I feel like we would all be happy with that. But I would live vicariously through Kieran when he does that. <laughs> I really seriously just need him slamming him into a wall, like a ball, just like, <laughs> bloody his face. Just every just beat him to a pulp. And then then threaten him and say never touch Lauren again. <laughs> if she told him that she was kidnapped which i feel like she won't say anything find out but, though i wonder yeah um a lot of people think that kieran knew dylan in the phantom scythe and that kieran or sorry dylan was 
kid in, was one of the kids in the car and in one of the episodes was it 73 one of those episodes around there bella mentions that kieran's been protective over someone we don't know who but it was someone and she's never seen him uh this protective over another person before and that might have been dylan and so if sandman was involved right and um kieran recognizes sandman then and sandman was part of like and Sam was the reason Dylan was in there. Dylan gets killed because he's in the Phantom Scythe. Kieran wants to avenge Dylan's death, which is also why he's trying to find a leader so he can avenge Dylan. Because we don't completely know Kieran's motives for wanting to take down the leader, of course, like for the um, common good. But there's also, he also says, like, it's still a mystery to us, which he says in like episode 10. So, so yeah. If, if that's the case, by the way, then that would really put Lauren and Kieran in, in, in very much in parallel because they that would give them both the same exact motivation for wanting to take down the leader. Um, but I want to go through these panels before we discuss that whole thing because yeah, I definitely sorry. have a lot to say about yeah, that. Le- yeah, there's a lot going on here, but it's all like the same discussion. So let's continue. So she says, you know, seeing him with Sage, I knew that meant he had to be involved in the fandom scythe. And, you know, she confirmed it when she ran into Sake. Sake was involved in the Aldam bombing and Sandman was their getaway driver. And he's like, yeah, I see your drivers already one of them. And he's not looking at her while he's saying this. And she says that she heard at the Carmine Camellia, she heard um, Sake mention another man. Robin Delaney was in the car with him too. And she's like, I still don't know why. Delaney's dead and I couldn't find anything on him in the police records. Kieran says, I've never heard of him either. Which to me, I'm wondering maybe Robin Delaney had another name. And- I have a theory on this. I'm not sure if you want to hear it right now, but I'll let you continue first. Does it tie into other stuff that we'll talk about later? Like, yeah, uh, kind of, yes. Okay, so it let's, let's do it all together at the end. Yeah. And um, yeah, and she stops and then she, like, she, you know, she says, Kieran, Kieran turns around and she's like, there's another thing that they told me when I saw him and she's bedumping. She's like really, really nervous because this is important to her. She says, the day of the tragedy, there's a lot of bedumps. He said, bedump that they took children with them on their way out. And she turns around, looks at him. Have you ever heard about this? You know what happened to them? And this is again, super pivotal for her, very important for her, or if there were others. I, I wonder, do you, think she's, do you think she suspects that like Kieran was in the car when, when she asked this part, like if there were others? Or do you think she's not, that's not on her mind at all? Um, I think she's more asking for the- oh, I, think she's, I don't Dylan. think she's thinking about Dylan. Because she knows that Kieran doesn't know Sake, and so she would probably assume that if Kieran yeah. was in the car, he would know Sake. Um, and then Kieran is not looking at her. Um, he's overlooking at the bridge, and you know she's been dumping. She's just you know this is like a very emotionally fraught question for her. And he says, "Yeah, oh yes, they kidnap kids." You know, at this point, she like turns around, whip it, you know, and the tale is known within the Phantom Scythe. They and they're, they're dead. dead. And they're overlooking this reflection and you see that only Lauren's reflection is on the bridge and he's not there. And you see him walking away. So you're like, okay, either theoretically the reflection should, you know, his reflection should be there. Some people say, oh, like it's because he's walking away, but I'll get my theory, my suspicions on that in a second. But basically he walks away. Lauren's expression is she's totally aghast. She is in high emotional distress and that's where the episode ends so let's start talking <laughs> okay so 
I think he saw us talking about this earlier, like the reflection thing. I guess I'll move backwards. <laughs> um, so I was thinking, because I'm dumb, I didn't scroll down and I forgot that Kieran leaves <laughs> in that moment. So I thought that like it's either they forgot to put Kieran's reflection or it's supposed to be symbolism that Kieran maybe was one of the kids in the car and just was blindfolded, didn't see sake. Um, um, and dead people and ghosts don't really have reflections and monsters like vampires don't have their reflections in silver. So I was thinking, is that supposed to be symbolism that either Kieran is supposedly dead and, um, or is he like a monster? Like we see him say in 43, but the thing is we've seen Kieran have his reflection twice before both times it's um it's from like the aftermath of 43 we see it in the coffee cup in 81 and in and then the cool waters of the cave in 45 45 yeah and we we, he has like the glow around his eyes and sort of like the symbolism of him being a monster but the fact that there's no uh, reflection there when the past two reflections that we've seen have been monster Karen it's a bit oh my theory is pretty basic it's basically I think he was whoever these kids were in the car were taken somewhere and wherever that was was where Kieran was so Kieran as well like was one of the children that suffered because of the phantom sites but I mean he has a good life now because of it but so the tale you know obviously he's talking about the tale that they're dead but it's not the truth but it's like dead it's like it's kind of like how he had to shed his innocence and who he was to become who he is now so yeah technically they are dead or they really are dead it could be any right the theory i went along with was that especially because if he is one of the kids in the car which i don't even know um, and he's not dead, obviously, right? So either like he's talking about, oh, people think they're dead, or I, I got the impression that, you know, their old identity is gone. Like the people who they were is gone. That's dead. Now there are new people. They've been totally reinvented by the fandom side. They have to be, you know, a new person that they're, that they'll want to be, you know, a monster, a terrible person. So that's the way I read it. But my big, my big thing is, is I don't know why Lauren is jumping to the conclusion that Dylan was in the car. And I don't even know why any of us are jumping into the conclusion that Kieran was in the car either. Like there are so many ways he could have gotten into the fandom site, especially given the, the whole situation with the run and the chair and the torture, the person being tortured that looks like a sibling or a family member. And I'm like, maybe, you know, that would be convenient from a story perspective that they were both in the car. But I'm like, I don't know, it could have been anyone in the car. Like, you know. The whole Kieran thing in the car was relatively early but was confirmed wrong when he said you didn't know who sake was which was like okay and plus like you know it just didn't it didn't seem to fit the timeline with like all the flashbacks with kieran it seemed like he was already in some shit that wasn't good but where dylan is we just find his hat so my theory before the whole you know more information that we've gotten about sandman talking about dylan we assume dylan is that yeah, that's the thing right he, we don't know he just says he knew the kid in the car. basically he lied and he you know so either, that we know he knew the kid either kids. dylan yeah like either so my theory was before is either dylan saw something that he shouldn't have seen and because of that they had to take him or 
you know, Sandman saw him, felt bad for the kid. You know, the kid was, he wasn't rich, you know, he's just a normal kid. So maybe Sandman just took him because he didn't want him to die in some explosion. Or That'd maybe, be nice. Or maybe the leader, Mr. Rosenthal's yeah. the leader, and he didn't want his kid to <laughs> die. It's Mr. Rosenthal's the leader, and he didn't want his kid to die. So maybe <laughs> he was because he he see this theory is I really I really like this theory because it works when you read back. It's kind of Snapdragon. unsettling. Snapdragon is a flower. <laughs> it um, is so unsettling rereading forty. I think it's forty nine. The fun the finale. It's oh because God. he he leads them away. And then he yeah. makes up some excuse like, oh, I have to go like see my supervisor, some blah blah blah. Like, okay. And then you leave. And, and that's he suspicious. He'd be faking his death. Yeah. At the wait, point. wait, what? do you know? Um, I was just reading when when she um runs back uh, after like um the leaves her with her twisted ankle, she runs back to the train station, she runs in and she runs over some bodies and she's like, Mr. Rosenthal. The, I was wondering, was she seeing Mr. Rosenthal among the dead bodies? That she I think said that, or asking so. for him. Yeah, I think she was searching for him. Yeah. No body. They're not confirmed dead. <laughs> not dead. Also, no body. Think, probably the leader. <laughs> <laughs> I think the reason that uh, the Kieran was a kid in the car theory was so big was because it stemmed from the Dylan equals Kieran theory. Um, so last year, dark time for all of us. Oh, a lot of us thought that Kieran was Dylan. <laughs> And so um, <laughs> when we, after 49 dropped, we were like, oh, or after 48, those two episodes, after those two episodes came out, a lot of people were like, oh, Dylan had to be in the car. But what if Dylan is Kieran? That means Kieran was also in, was in the car. So Dylan and Kieran, same person, they're in the car. But what if, but then people were like, but what if they're not the same person? Were they in the car together? Yeah, and the point? whole like children you know there was multiple so like we were who else you know we thought like bella maybe or yeah. at, at one point i guessed Raphael. yeah i think he would have been a little bit older then but i don't think would have been but he was then. a bit older so yeah. but but to sandman Raphael is still a kid to him so <laughs> in terms of sandman talking he, if Raphael was in the car and he was, you know, 19 or 20, to Sandman, he's still a kid. So still up in the air for me. He looks older. He doesn't look 30. He looks, I mean, I have to look back. Raphael, I know, is like, we can assume he's, he was like, what, maybe 17 in that flashback with Will? Maybe 18, 18, 19, late teens, early 20s. Probably legal of age and yeah, ready to leave and run away. Yeah, I'm still going to go with it. Could <laughs> I don't know if this would be the for the story, but for the purposes of intellectual um, reason, I'm going to say it could theoretically be any kid in the car, like random yeah. heard of. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the re- the from a storytelling perspective, uh, because there's been such like so much like weight placed around it, the kids are obviously important, and so uh, the cast is already so big. It, there's got to be some. I think it's gonna connect what, to some other that? characters. Maybe it's it was someone else's child, or oh yeah, definitely. Maybe there were just children in the area, and they didn't want those kids to die, or maybe they were like, "These kids will be useful. Let's take them," because they're nobody's now, anyways. They're just gonna go into the adoption center. 
Or end up on the street in Great Or travel. end up on the street and end up in the Phantom sites anyways. So they're just quickening the process. Yep. <laughs> Making that I'm, that I I'm guess that makes sense. Yeah. Another reason I'm thinking that maybe it isn't kids that we know in the car is A, because I think it would be a really cool twist. And also B, because the whole theme of Lauren um, being blind, you know, and I wonder, and Lauren has this tendency to just jump and I think not maybe think too hard. So I feel like that would be a good, in terms of like highlighting a character deficiency on her part, that Lauren's making all these assumptions about like, oh, we must have been Dylan in the car. And then it would be like really cool if it was like, oh, Lauren, like you're just jumping into things again. It wasn't even Dylan or it wasn't even anyone that you knew. And that would be like leading to the whole she's blind thing. But that's just my personal bent. <laughs> um, Dylan being dead... I, if Dylan is actually dead, but she likely is, <laughs> um, I would just have clowned myself so hard because a while back I was just completely convinced that the photographer, which we now know is Abel, I was just completely convinced that the photographer was Dylan. And when I found out yeah. it was Abel, I cried. Partly because, oh, it was to me, partly because it was spoiled to me and like a month before, <laughs> but I cried when I found out. <laughs> It was so convincing, though. Self drew the photographer like Dylan on purpose because there's some panels where he looks really young, and yeah. it makes me think <laughs> my my tinfoil brain is thinking that perhaps there are two photographers. Just <laughs> 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 what if there is, and like the next we see another panel of like a kacha, and it's it's actually Dylan. <laughs> we flip out. <laughs> That would definitely be setting us up <laughs> and trolling us. Um, I do have a big brain theory about Dylan, but it's best reserved like as a whole for episode 66 or not episode 66, episode 78, because that's where a lot of the information I got is from. But episode 78. Uh, so basically, uh, I'll just try to summarize. When Lauren goes home, I mentioned 66 is because if, you know, when you're scrolling through the episode the first time, you're pretty quick about it probably, but there are a lot of things that so so will purposely blur out words and stuff on papers and stuff like that and give us new names and hints. 66 has a lot of this. We have like a reporter's name, a journalist, other things. This ties back to my Delaney theory. (laughs) Oh yeah, we'll get to that. (laughs) Hold on. And then, so the same thing in 78, there's a lot of papers that are blurred out, but also some things are there that we can see. So when she's asking about where, what did they do with Dylan? What happened to him? These papers are all in her attic and are about the military. So there's like a telegraph from like a commander. Uh, There's something about troops and like a disarmament agency. the telegraph is for distribution distribution of weapons and artillery uh and the commander like talks about like their total strength and all their ranks and stuff and like a new program some other things and something outside of the city there's some other things as well like research i think soph just kind of like copy pasted some things from research papers but i wonder if they're important in terms of dylan's fate because a part of me thinks that Dylan was a soldier. He ended up being a soldier. These children, if they don't make the cut like Kieran did and become assassins or killers for the Phantom Sites, 
they're carted off somewhere so they aren't found or questioned about and they're used for the purpose of war and this is where like the whole Stefan thing comes in because he was the general of the army so it makes me wonder if Stefan has connections with the phantom sites is there some kind of corrupt deal happening between you know where they agree to give these the phantom sites agrees to give children to the war whatever anything like that just it just seems very odd that they would add this stuff Mm. and purposely not blur it all out if it's important Mm -hmm. i wonder now if uh, stefan or stefan is related to the weapons import if he's a phantom site member right then he would have that area of expertise so it makes sense to have him do that i wonder if they did supply weapons or if there's some kind of deal going on some trading happening because obviously the phantom sites has a lot of power and money so it doesn't matter, you know, even though they're a problem to the city, you know, deals can still be made between enemies if it helps them. And um, Raphael is the messenger who's overlooking the um, Apostle 7 operations. I think Raphael, it's, we're pretty set on Raphael. It's yeah. most likely Raphael is it's, that messenger. And Raphael, so Raphael's the messenger dealing with like, the bomb imports and sake and all of that so that's another little thread right there um oh yeah i forgot to mention the whole this whole dylan soldier thing is so chaotic but um you know how dylan said he wanted to be a doctor what if he was a doctor in the war like and what if he died from a bullet what if he was there a war we well that's the thing we don't know but i would assume that there was or they're still fighting but it's just not like, you know, it's not detrimental to the city. I mean, we found out in the last episode that Kieran actually was overseas for a few years. And that's why he had that hiatus that we found out about, like, in the first few episodes. And so he, Kieran might have been yeah. out doing that. And he also calls his daily training a training regime, meaning that's a military training type of regime that he has. So... I think Kieran did have military training in order to be successful. As and now. he has a chunk of skin missing, or he has a and, chunk of flesh missing on his shoulder. Yeah. Maybe what if, um, like the Circus Royale, uh, they were they had tattoos there, like the military members had tattoos there, and eventually when he left, he just I guess uh, dug it out. It could but, be, and that's why he's not afraid of guns either. And why he's part of the circus royale too (laughs) it just seems to answer a lot of questions and because if you think about like the whole gun thing you know guns are used for war so it's like and he also just said in last episode he said oh i've never used a gun on that i handle it and that was a lie so maybe well i mean honestly like he could come across a gun in other assassin situations as well i wonder why he's not afraid of them because even when he got shot in that flashback with bella he was already like nonchalant about the whole gun it's over it everything he was just it's as if he'd been shot so many times prior makes me wonder or rather concerned (laughs) but be honest would you like to see a picture of lauren and kieran shot (laughs) Well, is he going to be shirtless? (laughs) (laughs) I will say, when Lauren ducked Kieran in episode 50, one of the best moments in the comic, it brings me so much satisfaction seeing Kieran in pain (laughs) in that scene. (laughs) 
<laughs> he spent blood. Like, it was bad. A, f- a few more ribs needed to be broken there. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> Karen's blood just, like, splattered on the bathroom floor forever. Like, someone comes in like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm still, I still believe the theory that Lucas was in one of the bathroom stalls. The I can't wait to him. I just need Lucas, like, finding them in promiscuous situations. Like, he I just need that. <laughs> With his camera and his blackmail device. <laughs> Anywho, um, I want to wrap up because it's been a while and, oh, and it's um, just a long episode. So, um, final thoughts on the episode? Uh, probably the rock uh the delaney thing so like shivy pointed out um we actually learn a lot of information from small bits of text in like the snapdragon pamphlets or like the newspapers and stuff like that so in 66 we actually found out that uh during edward's rule the ruling class would take steps to limit the free press so press in our tallest is actually very limited and so that's partly why we don't know so that much about the class war and why lauren doesn't know that much and why she didn't even know it existed because uh the press everything that the press talks about has to go through the king and if if um reporters we see we find out that two reporters who were critical of the king and like the monarchy and like new um bills that were implemented they ended up in jail for being critical of their city. And so, I mean, and so, and it, which means that the monarchy has control over all the information that comes into our toilets and all the information that comes out. Um, with that being said, we know that Snapdragon, there's hardly any files on them, which is odd because there's hardly any other files on any other socialist groups so what happened to the recordings of the socialist groups and my theory is is that the monarchs got rid of them to stifle any more rebellions in the future um so if the royals and the police and the royals will obviously be working together because the royals control the police um if they're working together and there's no police files on um there's no police files on Delaney or any files whatsoever. What happened to Delaney's existence? And my theory is that he was erased by the royals, but why would he want to be erased by the royals? What is the reasoning? Why would they have any reason to completely erase the world of his existence unless Delaney was used to replace someone else? And they couldn't let that someone, they couldn't, um, that someone else couldn't be identified. And the series a little bit dead. I'm, that last bit didn't really make sense, but the series a little bit dead. But my theory is that um, Delaney was used to replace Abel Sandman's body in the car crash. Because Abel got away. They had a body. But who is the body? They needed to make sure that body was unidentif- unidentifiable as anyone else. And so to make sure that they could identify that person as anyone else, they had to get rid of all the files surrounding that person so who got rid of this person so like if that makes sense i'm not sure i don't know because uh abel says you know she asks him what happened to ramadellini and he says oh he didn't last too long after that i think he said after that but he uh, where is it he didn't last too long and they executed him so it would have been between the two weeks between 
Lauren's parents' death and the bombing. And if we're going by the theory that Chandelier Man is Delaney. Wait, wait, that's a theory? Yeah, we that have a lot a theory. of theories. But that, that theory wouldn't line up with that one because obviously, well, no, it's in Grey Chapel. So bodies just go, no one wait, even cares. Grey Chapel? That wasn't a very fancy building, though. That was, in the, that was in the church. That was in the church? That was in the Grey Chapel church that he met the messenger in. Really? Yeah. Wait, it was? I'm pretty sure. What? It was the same chandelier. Remember when he looks up to go meet up the Seriously? messenger? If he looks, oh, if he, he looks yeah. up at the, the ceiling. I thought he was having a referential him. moment. <laughs> Serious? This entire time. Wait, seriously? You can look that up. It's traumatizing. How could you not that? tell me? I thought you knew. Traumatizing. Every time he goes in the, he would go into that church. It's like every time I read it, it would just be like, oh my God. He, I could be in the church. I feel like, I thought it was in his house. No, it's it was his just, house. You, you can see the stained Bro, glass windows and stuff. And the chandelier, Bruh. it's the same. And the staircase, isn't Bruh. there a staircase as well? Okay, hold that up. leads up to the podium uh, in the church. <laughs> what chapter is the killing? In? Twenty-eight. Uh, there's one in twenty-eight, and then there's another flashback in seventy-eight, I think, or seventy-three. Yeah, I think it's seventy-eight. Okay. Windows don't. Or was it twenty-eight that has okay. a flashback? Let's take a look at the chandelier. Yeah. Here. Okay. Um, I see these windows, but they're not stained glass. Yeah, they it looks look like, like a ballroom. It's definitely pretty sure windows. it's the church. It's the same chandelier. I'm like 99. All chandeliers look alike, by the way. I sometimes <laughs> they do. Chandeliers. It may just be that like soap is using the same asset. Uh, let's see if I can find. Was it 45? He gets the. I mean, the windows are high up. I'll give it that. Okay. Okay, I do see what might look like stained glass in the um, when he says, "Now do it, kill me." There's a little bit of orange there, which looks like might be some stained glass. But the windows look pretty clear. But that might just be the lighting. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah, you can't really see in forty-five. It's a different chandelier. Five is when he's in Great Chapel getting the orders, right? Uh, misdirected mission. Now, mm-hmm. so, where's he getting the mission? In which chapter? It's like right before the end of season one. Here it is. Uh, yeah. 45. Yeah, okay. It looks like a church, though. The windows are too big not to be a I warehouse or a church i i just thought it meant that he was a super rich person and he had this fancy ballroom yeah. in his house same That's and he was like running house. he was running at that point so it might have been an apostle yeah, that's what i'm thinking also i don't think it was the church because the the church had like very ornate windows also why would he be in a church like that's true i don't know a part of me feels like it still is a church that would be kind of symbolic if it if it is a church because yeah. we have a lot of um banners with, yeah a lot like, of church, church references references and stuff the apostles themselves that's a church uh that's a yeah. local reference to like i think jesus and the 
13 or 14 apostles. Um, I right. I mean, uh, the fact that they call themselves apostles obviously means that they see their mission as a, as a good mission, right? As a pure mission. As like well, a, yeah, that's the yeah. funny thing about the PS. They're trying to take out a hierarchy, but ultimately going to just replace one hierarchy with their own. <laughs> I mean, that's my total skepticism of utopian movements. I'm like, human beings are human beings. Ain't nothing going to stop it. Like, it's just going to, no matter what you try to do, it's always going to, we're basically going to revert back to the, our base nature. It's my <laughs> pessimistic view of humanity. But um, actually, um, I didn't quite finish fully reading up this theory, but um, I believe it was Runaway Gnome. Uh, Amalia, who talked about the fact that the fandom site, she sees it as like a communist kind of movement, which is yeah. would fit in very well because, um, you know, communism started out with great ideals and wanted to help the poor and equalize society. And then they ended up being this horrible reign of terror and, you know, even worse than what it had been before. So, and obviously Scythe, right? The Scythe is the, the symbol of the communist party. So that would, that would make a lot of sense. I'm not really, I don't know that much about like um, communism and like what and how it's been used, but to really speak on this. But yeah, I would definitely agree that um, the PS is, they want basically what is communism, a classless society. That's what they want. And, and we see, we, they, Snapdragon is called a socialist group and just like, um, communism is just a more radical version of socialism the ps is a more radical version of snapdragon but desperate like desperate people go to desperate means and so at at one point as we found out like with the press silence like with um the press being silenced and then uh, taxes being raised eventually some probably the massacre which i also think was ordered by the royals um <laughs> Definitely, what? I got that vibe that Elizabeth was the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at one point, Snapdragon snaps, and a lot of the members become even more radical, and they become the Phantom Scythe, and they just go full. They just go full communism. Um, they just want no no class anymore. Before we wanted education, we wanted like healthcare, uh, we wanted. Um, housing like fair housing and stuff like that but now we have been spited for long enough now everyone is going down with us we are not having this class system anymore we're done with that we will bring, we will usher in a new era where everyone is on the same playing field i feel like that's just a show because the phantom scythe is literally going to fall into the same trap that history has always fallen into and that is because it's taking this long, there is already a hierarchy inside the Phantom Scythe itself, and there's already rich people, so that they just want to hold power over the new society that they want to create, basically. It's kind of yeah. like that selfish desire to be like, if you had the chance to be on a new planet and control like the way society is and being on top, like it's still technically the same, but not. The Phantom Scythe... The seventh apostle says, right? Isn't that why he wants to break away? Because he says that, right? I remember somebody saying, I think it was the seventh apostle or someone else saying, oh, now everything's the same in the Phantom Scythe. Then it's also just the same load of BS. Yeah, Bella was, she, Bella talks so much shit about it. She, 
I forget what she says specifically. It's hilarious though. It's just she sees it as like minuscule, like what they're doing because the leader doesn't seem to be acting. I I think the leader, like their intentions, they still want class of society to like help the poor. I think their intentions are still true, but they're very yeah, very um violent in how they get those in how they want to reach those ends. But okay. I guess they're in a sort of do the do the means justify the end sort of ment- like t- mentality. But it's obvious that Apostle Seven is just over it. Like they're they're done. They just they want to be on top. Maybe Apostle Seven realized that the leader really didn't care about all that bullshit that he spewed, and he has to take control now because the leader is going to end up killing a lot of people and causing the one problem. bombing the city. I haven't, I haven't well, seen like um, that's with my theory that Doc is the apostle and he's taking the weapons to protect people from the leader because the leader originally had these weapons ported to him. So I think Dokken wanted to know what was going on. If Dokken is the apostle, Apostle Seven wants to know what's going on with those weapons to make sure. I have faith <laughs> in this coup. I do. I have faith that things aren't what we think they are and that. <laughs> you know the phantom sight huh (laughs) well i think well because the coup is against the leader not necessarily the people so i think either there will be a bombing and there will be sacrifices or apostle seven is somehow trying to get these weapons for himself so the leader doesn't end up hurting a lot more people that would be like in terms of uh the moral direction of the story i do think that one of the it would be very cool if they would flip our conceptions you know we start out thinking this is bad and this is good and obviously lauren's making that journey along with us and then we could end up switching which i'm curious about if that would be right i'm sure a lot of the phantom scythe is bad but there is a lot of good in the phantom scythe as well and that's that split that snapdragon that merged that never did really they just didn't want to say anything because they don't want to end up like the Sinclairs and dead. I mean, the question that, oh, sorry. Uh, the question that Karen brings up in episode 65 and 68 is how much of the Phantom Scythe are terrorists and how much of the Phantom Scythe is made up of people unable to provide for themselves and their families? How many people in the Phantom Scythe are just desperate, um, failed by a system that was never designed to help them in the first place? and they want that system gone that's why they're in the phantom scythe because imagine how terrible your living conditions must be that terrorism is a better prospect than your current situation and all it takes is one paycheck to you know solidify their decision to join yeah they get money from this they they're getting a stable income from being in the phantom scythe they're not getting that income anywhere else. This is the Phantom Scythe is giving the lower class an opportunity that they've been spited out of their entire lives. And so it's no wonder why the Phantom Scythe has grown so much. I mean, this this actually happens like around the world. It really mm-hmm. it does. So yeah. yeah. Anywho, I do want to wrap this up because it's yeah. late. <laughs> Yes. And we are going to be doing many, many episodes and we'll have lots of opportunities to keep discussing theories. But I'm going to end the recording and then we'll do a little bit of chatting. So. I'd like to thank my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Mary, 
Alley Cat, Chelsea, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Dahlia, and Saucy Tuggles. Thank you so, so much. I really, really appreciate it.